0: I've noticed a number of peculiar incidents among the members of the student body, all having to do with rock and roll music.
1: Now, if you don't think this song is the greatest song ever, I will fight you. drive-by truckers have taken the Southern Rock formula
2: and turned it on its head. I'm Greg Cott from the Chicago Tribune. And I'm Jim DeRogatis from WBEZ and Columbia College. The truckers join us in the studio, and later, Greg and I review the new album by the animated supergroup, Gorillaz. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. Sound Opinions is supported by Maker's Mark handcrafted bourbon. More online at facebook.com slash makersmark. Maker's Mark. It is what it isn't. Maker's Mark bourbon whiskey distilled in Loretto, Kentucky, reminds listeners to drink
1: responsibly. From WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX, you're listening to Sound Opinions. And now it's time for some music news.
2: That is the talking heads with the song Road to Nowhere which appeared in a political advertisement last campaign season and is now the center of this news story. Former Florida Governor Charlie Crist settled a lawsuit recently filed by the author of that tune, Talking Heads leader David Byrne, because Chris had used the tune without permission in a campaign ad. He was running for the U.S. Senate. He was charging that his opponent was on the road to nowhere. (laughs) Greg, we've had these things throughout rock history where, where artists take offense that a candidate has used their music, but the interesting thing about this one was that part of the term of the settlement, which the whole deal wasn't released. Byrne's original lawsuit was for a million dollars, was that Crist had to record a YouTube video apologizing. Here is the former governor of Florida with that apology. Hi, I'm Charlie Crist. During 2010, I ran for a seat in the United States Senate. During that campaign, a video advertisement utilized a song made famous by David Byrne and the Talking Heads called Road to Nowhere. The advertisement was posted on my campaign website on YouTube and sent out via email. Regrettably, the campaign did not ask permission to obtain a license from Mr. Byrne. In fact, Mr. Byrne has never permitted his songs to be used for advertising of any kind, a position I respect deeply. The use of David Byrne's song and his voice in my campaign, advertisement without his permission, was wrong and should not have occurred. I sincerely apologize to David Byrne for using his famous song and his unique voice in my campaign advertisement without his permission.
1: That's a little bit of Charlie Chris's apology to David Byrne, the latest YouTube hit, Jim, As right up s- there with Rebecca Black, huh? <laughs> As you said there's been a long history of this stuff. For some reason Republicans and rock stars have never gotten along and uh, we've had conflicts with bands like Heart, Bon Jovi, Rush, Van Halen, Don Henley, Tom Petty, Sting, the Foo Fighters all complaining. That uh, Republicans misappropriated their music. But this has got to be a first, the first viral apology from a Republican to a rock star. listening to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRogatis, and coming up, we welcome the Drive-By Truckers. You're listening to a bit of their song, Birmingham. And over the band's nine-album career, it's gone through numerous lineup changes, but the anchors of the band have always been the same, singer-songwriters Mike Cooley and Patterson Hood. Hood formed the Truckers in Athens, Georgia, but his roots are in the Shoals region of Alabama and had a huge impact on the group's southern sound. But those roots were somehow misinterpreted for a while. A lot of people saw the Drive-By Truckers as just another imitation, Leonard Skinner wannabe band. But all that changed with a 2001 double album, Southern Rock Opera. And when we had Patterson and bandmates Jay Gonzalez and Shauna Tucker in the studio recently, I asked him about the perception of the Drive-By Truckers and how it was redefined by that album.
3: I think everybody thought it was kind of a jokey thing because of the name, and you, you got to be careful what you name your child, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know it, it might seem like a good idea that night you're drunk at the hospital and they're born, but then, you know, years, <laughs> years later, that Poor kids, you know, having to live with being Zoe or something, you yeah, know. Yeah, <laughs> so.
1: exactly. But you told me the other day you had been working on that record for a while, while the first three records six, were out. Yeah, six yeah.
3: years. We, the, the beginning of that record predated the Truckers by a year, and uh, it was just something, something a, a friend and I were working on that was we were thinking was going to be a screenplay. And then I got busy doing the Truckers, and that story got incorporated and became this, like, side project we were going to do we weren't even originally going to call it a drive by trucker record later on when it's like you know we're we've got a little momentum let's at least use we need every asset we can get to try to get this thing finished and out and uh so that's how it became a drive by trucker record so
1: hugely ambitious record double album concept album a really unique take about the south the empathy with that lifestyle and also at the same time the kind of understanding the double-edged sword meanings of some of those things, oh what it God, mean to, yeah. meant to be a Southerner.
0: And about my pistol.
1: I also think it puts you in in an interesting place as a band from a standpoint of, that's who you were. Oh yeah, it's they're writing about Leonard Skinner, therefore they are Leonard Skinner.
3: It did threaten to typecast us a bit, you know, and uh, you know it became our Fonzie. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And then we we go into phase two of the band where after that it, it sort of opened things up. I think people started appreciating you guys as songwriters. You know, at the time, three major songwriters in the band throughout much of the last decade uh, with yourself and Mike Cooley and Jason Isbell. And that phase comes to an end rather dramatically. We see this in the DVD that you guys just put out. That was the point where if the drive-by truckers were going to go fade into into the sunset, that may have been the moment, right? It just didn't
3: seem like a good place to end. It seemed like a very cliched way for a band to end. And I've I think we all, one of the things we kind of have had in common with each other in the band is we all kind of rebel against the cliché, and so uh, it's like, you know, it just d- didn't need to end there. I, I I would, I think Blessing and a Curse has its charms as a record, but I would hate for it to be the last record we put out, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. and uh, kind of like we had to stay together just to figure out how to have a happier note to the end it <laughs> <than> all <laughs>
1: The, the key to the happy ending is to actually have a happy ending, right? right? And, yeah. And okay. Roll them now. Yeah. Roll the credits now. before
3: exactly. <laughs> for something else goes wrong. Yeah. That's that's pretty, that's pretty much my <laughs> my philosophy in life. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid.
2: Sure. Well, I'd like to get up to the present, but why don't we hear a song first? Since you guys are sitting there with accordion, acoustic guitar, some bass, what are you gonna play? Let's,
3: let's do let's do Ray. Let's do Ray. Let's see.
0: got to tell you you got to come get that gun back Because these things that I've been shooting at Are getting all too real Don't want to hurt nobody I can keep it Feeling like I feel Way hey, I know I told you That I'd keep it for you I know I said I trusted me with it more than you. But something happened last night that made me reconsider, and I need you to drive out. These things that I've been shooting at Are getting all too
2: Ray's Automatic Weapon, the drive-by truckers here in the studio with us. So it it seemed to me that after A Blessing and a Curse, the next record, Brighter Than Creation's Dark, is kind of like, okay, we're still here, we're still alive. But then we got two that were done almost as bookends, I think, right? The big to-do is this straightforward guitar record, and then the interviews I saw, it seemed like you were already thinking about this recent album that gave us Ray's go-go boots as the opposite. It was a dark, noir R&B take on noir, I've seen you describe it I also saw you describe it as uh, more David Lynch than David Lean <laughs> and that song what an illustration, what happened with that gun, you know, we don't really know get it out of here, please yeah. before I'm shooting at more things that I don't know what they are. It's almost like
3: the ring, you know in Lord of the Rings, you know, it's like whoever's got it, its they're just a little too drawn to it But, uh, but uh, how
2: perfectly noir uh, everything's yeah. happening in the shadows we don't know do you sit down and write like a short story writer, Patterson, when you're writing a tune like that?
3: You know, I, I don't know. I mean, when I'm actually writing it, it, it almost writes itself. I mean, I I, and I really met that guy, and he really told me that story, and, and it was kind of like it, he wasn't gone five minutes before I was writing the song. It was, it was, it was truly less like, you know, uh, more so on that song than any I can think of. You, usually I, an idea, I have an idea, and it bounces on all the empty space up there for about, you know, anywhere from one to five years before it actually becomes a song. But then I write the song really fast and, mm. and, and usually not even thinking about the idea that inspired it when I write it. But uh, that one, that happened really quickly. I mean, I had the song, he wasn't, he wasn't home yet before I had the song finished. It, it happened <laughs> really quickly. We had a very clear idea of what we wanted to do for our next record after brighter than creations dark. We mm-hmm. we really had a very specific record in mind, which is always a dangerous thing, you know, I think, mm-hmm.
0: to
3: to go in with a preconceived notion because that that's where we've generally sometimes have gotten in trouble, but this time we didn't. We we really we went in and we had this idea and we were knocking it out really easily and it was a lot of fun in the studio, but we had all these other songs too that were definitely not part of that idea of what the big to do was supposed to sound like we even had the title the big to do you know Mm. and uh and we had that probably before most of the songs but uh you know we kind of had a very clear-cut idea of this record we wanted to make to follow up that big sprawling kind of messy brighter than creations dark you know which i'm i i I tend to gravitate to messy so i I, (laughs) when i say messy i don't mean that in a negative way but uh but it was definitely a kitchen sink kind of record it had all kinds of different detours and it was kind of a record about detours and Mm -hmm. uh and so we wanted a very concise for us at least for a band with three writers as concise as i can get record but we had all these songs that didn't fit and so we decided we wanted to record them too we're already in here we're inspired you know if we were in the mood to play something that's more the next record than what the you know that's what we would do and that kept that kept it really running smoothly and was a really efficient way for us to record but then the reality is you've got this finished record, you've got to figure out how to you've got to get it out or else you can't pay for the studio time, you know, that you <laughs> took get up out of making hock. it yeah. It's it's like so it's like, well, I guess we have two albums out in eleven months and um and so that's the that's whatever that's what it is that's the other side of that equation
2: well you know to recap the history my colleague greg was was saying you know if we if we think the climax of of phase one of of the band is uh, southern rock opera and then we have the Isbell years and people said maybe when he left you'd be done right and now this burst of creativity you know three albums in in less than three years three very different albums geez 20 years on you guys still got a lot of stuff to say
3: yeah thanks i hope so you know i i feel like this is the best period the band's ever had i mean we're more creative we're you know we all get along real good and uh so we're having fun with each other and and you know i, I really look forward to the show every night no matter how tired i am of maybe being on the road and i'm not going to deny that that uh because I'm, I'm about ready to go home and uh, stay there for a while. but uh, but I really, truly look forward to the show every night. And so it, it's all real, real good from that end.
2: Coming up on sound opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. More with Patterson Hood, Shauna Tucker, and Jay Gonzalez of the Drive-By Truckers. Then stay tuned for our review of the new album by Gorillaz and my Desert Island jukebox pick. He
0: drove the Cadillac, she drove the Oldsmobile. Friday's shacking up with the man. My car between his without
1: a scratch. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. Greg Cott here with Jim DiRigatis and our guest this week, the Drive By Truckers. The band was founded by Patterson Hood and Mike Cooley in 1996, and since then they've maintained a relentless touring schedule and a tireless work ethic. And Jim, I had to wonder how, after 15 years, Patterson Hood and company have managed to avoid burnout.
0: The boys are back.
3: I think it helps that we've got a lineup that everybody's really sympathetic with each other. I mean we really you know everybody in the band really truly pulls together or else we couldn't do it you know it's a real it's a very positive work environment as far as that goes, and I think that's a lot of it you know if because honestly i I don't think I could do it at this point if i if I didn't really truly love the people I play with and and what we're doing every night on stage. You know, I'm about ready to go home.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Sean, I, I'd like to get your take on that too. It's it it Blessed can it, it can <laughs> it, it can be a grind, obviously. And uh, you know, there was that one moment where it didn't look like the man was going to keep going. Where are you at with this pace that you guys are on in terms of just? Is there ever a moment where you say, "Man, I wish we could just take a year off"?
0: Yes, man, I wish the bus <laughs> didn't smell so bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean. The fear of having to go clock in somewhere keeps us going, too, I think. you know There is
3: that, too. <laughs>
0: but when I joined the band, one of the first things I noticed and admired about the band is that it's all strategy. You tore your butt off, and then maybe you'll get to go home for a little while. you know. And I think that's what has been brewing the last couple of years, so hopefully there's going to be a little bit of rest to come. Mm-hmm. So that we can have, I think it's all for a, a higher goal. The
1: other thing that people talk about, especially when it comes to being creative, is that you have to live life in order to write songs, right? Or, or especially great songs. And when you're living inside of a bus or a van or whatever, is that really no in, in, it's in creative not. and inspiring? You know,
3: it, it, it's often not. You know, Ray's automatic weapon being a real, real exception because that's probably the best song I've ever written on the road, but uh, that, that actually probably couldn't have been written at home. I think that feeling of, that feeling of alien disconnect probably worked in that song's favor, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, that feeling of tired, I think, shows through in that song in, that, in, in a positive way for that particular song. But, but, yeah, no one really wants to hear an album about how tired you are. <laughs> mm-hmm. what, what
1: else are you going to play for us, another song? so
3: let's, we do that Thanksgiving let's do that Thanksgiving song um yep. this is another one of those that uh it's funny you know it's like why did you put a holiday song on your uh on your record it's like because the holidays I guess will be around sooner than you Want it to. Well, we played this when
2: we reviewed the album. We played this, and this is the one that that hit me instantly. Because for all the mythology, there ain't nobody who's ever had a pleasant Thanksgiving dinner without some hiccup in it. You know what I mean? I mean, the family, it's dinner, it's expectations, things go wrong.
3: And ironically, that's the one holiday I actually like. I really generally like that one.
2: Because you don't have to do anything but sit around and eat. Yeah, yeah.
3: As your families get older, There's that element that all of a sudden you go back home and, you know, your favorite aunt's not looking too good or, 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 you know, and and, and I mean, it's sad. There's a sadness to it. And uh, but like anything that's really sad, you just kind of have to laugh because that's all at least in my family. That's sort of the only way of dealing with with things that are kind of sad or tragic is to try to find you know we all have there's a there's a black sense of humor that runs really deep on both sides of my family and uh and it served me well i hope so far but um this one's called the thanksgiving filter
0: mother's wheelchair is sitting in the corner. We all sure love her, but the little ones avoid her. She's gray-haired and wrinkled, and her burden looks heavy. 90 years of survival can look awful scary. Building something and has since history, but what he's building is still a mystery. It's big and it's twisted and it looks convoluted. It don't have a function, but you better salute it. And it'll never be finished, but I guess that's the point. It gives him a filter and psychological ointment. He woke up real early, but he's late for his appointment And I sure wish I'd smoked me a joint It's Thanksgiving, Jesus, I'm thankful For abundance and bounty and a big, tossed stiff, drink. For the love of your mama and the love of mine, too Thanksgiving is over and Christmas is soon mama she's trying to live in the present don't let him have a heart attack for we pay off the presents granddaddy's gone but he didn't live the best he tried to But he didn't leave a message. It's Thanksgiving and Jesus, I'm thankful for abundance and bounty and a big, tall, stiff drinkful for the love of your mama and the love of mine too. Thanksgiving is over. says the blessing We're carving up some turkey and gobbling some dressing My aunt's praising Palin My niece loves Obama My uncle came to dinner wearing his pajamas Thank God for the filter that enables some distance For the screaming and crying and the needs of assistance You wonder why drink and curse the holiday's blessed be my family 3
2: Drive-By Truckers, The Thanksgiving Filter. I just, I love that song so much. And I think you guys have made history. Alice's Restaurant by Arlo Guthrie, right? A great Thanksgiving song, but it's really a talking poem, right? right. I cannot think of another great rock anthem anywhere, you know, any <laughs> genre about Thanksgiving. You know, the first the first song of Coolies I ever heard was
3: actually about Thanksgiving, and uh, mm-hmm. it's never been recorded. I, I bet he don't even remember it. I wonder if he even has a copy of it anywhere. But it's a great song. I, I wish he would revisit it. Yeah. Then we could have two Thanksgiving songs. We or could you do could have like a, a, a
2: Thanksgiving mini set.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> the prolific Drive By Truckers, uh, Patterson Hood, Shauna Tucker, and Jay Gonzalez are here with us today in the studio. So prolific, so many albums, and yet still enough time for side projects on top of that. In recent years, you've worked with both Betty LeVette and Booker T. Jones, basically as, as backing bands on two high-profile albums. First of all, how do you find the time to do that stuff? And then what are they expecting from you guys? Is it just, well, they're kind of famous, maybe they'll help us? What, what was the expectations going into those sessions with those two soul giants?
3: Both of those originated with a guy named Andy Calkin, who's the head of anti-records and andy's just a really cool cool guy mm-hmm. and uh he liked our band and kind of saw through the the sub of what we do and saw that at the core of it there was this other kind of thing lurking under the surface and uh he recognized in that that in us early enough to where he offered us the betty levette project back in oh mm-hmm. six and uh it was a dream come true, really, because Shauna and, and Cooley and I grew up in the Muscle Shoals area. And my dad's, you know, of course, part of the Muscle Shoals rhythm section. And and so it was kind of like, you know, after all these years, getting to kind of see a little bit of what dad did, you mm-hmm. know, for a living and, and kind of experiencing that. And, and it also allowed us to really reconnect with being, you know, more than just some guitar band with a bunch of songs. We could really sink our teeth into playing this other kind of genre of music that we all love so much. Oh,
0: baby, do you understand me now? Sometimes I get a little mad. But don't you know ain't nobody always an angel? When things go wrong, I might act bad somebody whose intentions are good oh I don't wanna be misunderstood
3: and then the booker record came about about a year after that when andy signed booker and uh Booker sent him these demos of the new songs he was working on and he had demoed all of them playing guitar. Booker's a great guitar player. No one knows that because he's famous as an mm-hmm. organ player, but he's a, he's a magnificent guitar player. In fact, he doesn't, he doesn't sound like any other guitar player I've ever heard. And Andy's like, man, these are all guitar songs. I like, yeah, I've always wanted to make a guitar record and no one's ever let me. He goes, Boy, do I have the backing band for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But because of our schedule, we had four days to work with. We literally had four days before leaving for a tour, and and we went in there and you know met him on the first of those four days and recorded that record
2: really quickly. So these side projects, these nine albums, this nonstop touring, and in between, just to slow down, you make solo albums, right? How yeah. do you? We're crazy. When I'm when crazy. you have a song though, Patterson, uh, how do you determine this is a drive-by trucker song? This is a song that doesn't fit. I'm going to put on a solo album. I mean, how do you even tell? You know the the Killers and Stars solo record was really. I wasn't. I didn't know I was
3: making a record. I was just demoing a bunch of songs. I was going through a divorce and a really just horrific time of my life, and the band wasn't getting along very well either. And uh, I pretty much locked myself in the kitchen for a couple of days and. Made that just to basically keep from doing something a lot more destructive.
0: Rising sun, rising sun, beating down on me. I'm a daddy's rising sun, world in front of me. Daddy, he ain't smiling, none the goods problem He just says, My foolish one, you live too dangerously. Daddy, I ain't hurting none, spread in front of me. Be a fool not
3: Pleasure's off of me. You know, kind of years later, I, I got talked into releasing it, and I, I'm proud of it. You know, it was one of those things where I, I, I basically sold that record to. to the label we were signed to then in order to fund my honeymoon when I got married again. And uh <laughs>
2: Where'd you where'd you go?
3: We went to Amsterdam and Paris and we had right. we had a, and came home with a baby, you know. Oh so God. we had a, we, it was it was great, you know. I got more out of selling that record than I've ever gotten from anything in the music business. <laughs> you
2: know Well can we get one more song from you?
3: We'll do Mercy Buckets. Or should we do Everybody Needs Love? Oh, Come on, what you what do you <laughs> Come on, you got <laughs> to you
1: got to give us that one. All right, all right, I we'll love give that you that song.
3: one. We'll give you that one then. It's uh you know, we've made non-studio records and never recorded a cover, but Eddie Hinton's kind of a special case for all of us cuz he uh he's from our hometown or at least he lived in our hometown for many years around the time I was growing up and he played with my dad and um, and along the way wrote some of the most beautiful songs that no one's ever heard and this song to me should have been like as big a hit as when a Man Loves a Woman or something. I mean, to me, this is like one of the classic soul songs, except it only sold a couple of thousand copies mm. in Sweden or somewhere. So, uh, so uh, this song's called Everybody Needs Love. ¶¶
0: setting of the sun And the stars we can wish upon When our working day is done Sunsets we can cry over Have our troubles on the run But more than these miracles above Good people We need love Everybody needs a love, love, love. Everybody needs a... Love. Didn't need nobody to make me happy and belong. One fine day, found myself in trouble, way down without a friend. Long in the love of a real fine woman. Says she loves me till the end. Everybody needs love.
1: So much, I needed that. (laughs) Well, we want to thank uh, the Drive By Truckers, Patterson Hood, Shauna Tucker, and Jay Gonzalez for being our guests today on Sound Opinions. Thanks so much, guys, for coming in.
3: Hey, thanks so much for having us.
2: Thank you. For more of the Drive-By Trucker's live performance, visit soundopinions.org. And to share your own rock-critical thoughts on the air, call 888-859-1800. We'll be back with a review of the latest from the animated supergroup Gorillaz in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX.
1: Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRigatis, and that is a track from the latest Gorillaz album called Seattle Yodel. The record is called The Fall. It's the fourth Gorillaz album The first three, Jim, sold over 20 million copies, a little musical project begun in the late 90s by Damon Albarn of Blur and the cartoonist Jamie Hewlett. It was conceived as kind of this uh, musical multimedia project. It wasn't even intended to be a real band, per se. There were going to be these cartoon figures, and Albarn was going to be behind the scenes creating music for it. It was kind of a high-concept version of the Monkees, maybe a 21st century answer to that but it evolved into something a lot more complicated. All Barnes' taste in music runs the gamut from rock and hip-hop to soul and world music, he incorporated all those elements into those first three studio albums. He had tons of guest stars come in, everyone from former members of The Clash to Snoop Dogg and soul singers like Bobby Womack and then topped it off with this massive tour of america last fall where he had up to thirty people up on stage with him uh, <laughs> syrian string ensembles and a, a horn section and paul simon and mick jones of the clash and bobby womack singing vocals extraordinary tour as if he didn't have enough to do while he was on the road with that massive band he recorded an entire album on his iPad while he was roaming around America. And the end result is the fall. It's very much of a hotel room, back of the bus type of record, much more low key, fewer guest stars. We're gonna review it in a second, but let's play a track from it first. It's called The Snake in Dallas from Gorillaz on Sound Opinions.
2: that is the snake in dallas by gorillas this time around really just damon albarn on the new album the fall which is both a reference to one of his favorite bands marky e. smith's group and kind of uh, an appropriate ending to the gorillas he's been giving interviews in the british press saying that this this is probably the last gorillas album he's done with this project although albarn is famous for doubling back on himself as famous as he is for being very prolific This, Greg, is a wonderful, small album in what I am going to say is a golden season for them. You know, we are in the midst of of some great, intimate, bedroom, quiet recordings right now, starting with Radiohead's King of Limbs, continuing with TV on the radio's Nine Types of Light, and I would put The Fall by Albarn in that category. It's not quite as good, it's very sleepy at points, but it is a wonderful, ambient travelogue across america and dare i say brian eno-esque type of Uh recording i'm digging it i really am i've always been an Albarn fan and and i'll take this guys over the good the bad and the queen any day i would say on the buy it burn it trash it scale this is a buy it record well i admire the way you were able to work yet another eno reference into that
1: review jim I, i applaud you for that I think it's a modest success. It's certainly not a must-own record. I like the fact that it has sort of a headphone quality to it. I can just imagine Albarn in the back of that tour bus watching the world blur past the window, recording or listening to this record. Blur past the window. There you go. Yeah. There you go. But in terms of a must-own, you know, I'd say the first 3 Gorillas albums are, are where it's at in terms of ambition and scale. This is a much more of a low-key event. It is for fans only. In- initially, it was released only as a fan club only type of release. Now it's receiving wider release to the general public. I'd say if you're a huge fan, you got to go out and own this thing. But otherwise, it's a burn-it record. I tell you,
2: little buddy, this whole island is bewitched.
0: Remember, we were shipwrecked
1: together. On Sound Opinions, occasionally we like to take a trip to the desert island and drop a coin in the desert island jukebox to play a track we can't live without.
2: And this week, it's Jim's turn. Thank you, Greg. I was looking at the calendar for some inspiration about where I was going to go with this desert island jukebox pick. Twenty years ago, on April 23, 1991, John Anthony Gonzali Jr. died of a drug overdose in New Orleans. The world knew him as Johnny Thunders, co-founders of one of the most influential punk bands, the New York Dolls, uh, along with uh, David Johansson, and prolific solo artist until he finally... Drop dead. Any sort of tribute to Johnny Thunders is a little bit problematic because he is more famous in in many corners for being a notorious heroin addict than he is for being a musician. And certainly for the last decade of his career and his life, people went to Johnny Thunder's shows hoping to see him drop dead on stage. I think that's sad because when you use the phrase Buzz Saw Guitar, really, nobody in the punk rock world did it better than Johnny Thunders. That guitar was a sound that inspired everybody, and you hear it today in, in, you know, glam metal bands, and you hear it in punk bands, you hear it the world over. I'm going to play a song called Chinese Rock, which is often associated with Thunders. He's sometimes credited as writing it, and he didn't. (laughs) It was Dee Dee Ramone who wrote the bulk of it, and Richard Hell uh, contributed a few lines, so it it really was those two. But the heart Thunder's post-New York Dolls combo that briefly had Hell as a member, made it famous, the song, and played it, and it was, you know, it's always tied around Johnny Thunder's neck. This is an extraordinary tune because it's a song about heroin addiction, and it's an ugly song. I'm living on Chinese rock, All my best things are in Hawk. This is a man whose life has been ruined by the drug, but he cannot escape it. The Replacements had a song called Johnny's Gonna Die, which was about Johnny Thunders. Alex Chilton sang Bangkok, which references Chinese rock. I'm not living on Chinese rocks. I'm in Bangkok. And Nick Cave, in the song There She Goes, My Beautiful World, is talking about Johnny Thunders. It's sad that this addiction came to define him, but I think now we can celebrate him by remembering that guitar sound. Here it is, Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers, Chinese rocks on sound opinions. was johnny thunders and the heartbreakers with chinese rocks on sound opinions the sound opinions desert island jukebox is supported by makers mark makers mark bourbon it is what it isn't greg what do we have on the show next week next week jim we continue our appreciation of bob dylan as he plugs in during the mid-60s Greg, as always, we have some thank yous to say. Drew Bodker recorded our session with the drive-by truckers. And our Sound Opinions production team, if they were drive-by trucks, Nick Myers, our intern, would be a Chevy Silverado. Jason Saldana, one of our producers, would be an F-150. Robin Lynn, our other producer, is Ram Tough. And our fearless leader, our executive producer, Tori southside Malatia. he's a heel taller. Heel taller? Yeah, look it up. Okay.
1: On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So give us a call on our hotline, 888-859-1800. You didn't
0: try to call me. Why you, try, you, try, you know was lonely?
2: New no
1: mm-hmm. messages. Hi, Jim and Greg. This is Adam Reuter from Schenectady, New York. During your show on Bob Dylan's Early Years, uh, you didn't really mention some of his more personal songs that don't really fit into the this song mold. Songs like Girl from the North Country and especially Boots of Spanish Leather are some of the best of that genre in my opinion. Boots of Spanish Leather in particular gets me because of the clear anguish in the singer's voice from being apart from the one he loves only to realize that she has no interest in being reunited. Thanks for all the good work. I look forward to hearing more about Bob Dylan as the year continues.
0: Here's something I can send you from across the sea.
2: From the place that I'll be landing.
0: No, there's nothing you can send me, my own true love.
1: Hi, my name is Gene in Philadelphia. I just listened to your Tax Day show. Very nice commentary on Tax Man by George Harrison and the Beatles. I'll never hear the line, don't ask me what I want it for, the same way again. Remember, though, and no disrespect intended, George, the Beatle least concerned with the material world, as you mentioned, was a great example of someone who can enjoy the full benefits of the material world while still considering it and questioning it. One little tidbit, that great riff you mentioned is not a guitar, it is the bass, one of those rare times when George played that bass and Paul played lead guitar. Let
0: me tell you how it will There's one for you, 19 for me Cause I'm the tax man Yeah, I'm the tax man
1: Great show, guys, and I encourage everyone out there listening to start the new tax year off by making a generous donation to the show Be
0: thankful I don't take
1: Hey, Jim and Greg, uh, just calling about your tax show, which was uh, excellent. Thanks for doing that. I have a suggestion, which uh, the first thing came to my mind was Camper Van Beethoven, When I Win the Lottery. After all, the lottery is sort of a voluntary taxation. So I would add that to the list. Keep them coming. Thanks. I got me a
0: shack at the bottom of the road, fixing cars and giving toes, spending all my money. Oh, when well.
1: other guy. I'm Steve Wants from St. Charles, Illinois, and I was wondering why there aren't more comments, episode specials on the current state of electronic music. You know, screw all that dance stuff like deadmau Mouse, I mean, stuff like Auticker, Boards of Canada, Bibio, Caribou, the IDM guys. Also, look up Venetian Snares and listen to his drum patterns.
3: You know, you
0: guys
1: are a rock critic, I understand that. Maybe that doesn't come into your realm very often, but it's quite an exciting field. Okay, thanks, bye.
0: No more
2: messages.
1: To give us your opinions on sound opinions, call our hotline, 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week with more Sound Opinions produced by WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.